Hi, I'm Michael Stiddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. So we're recording this episode on Monday morning, and as I speak, the Ontario Provincial Police are taking down a rail blockade that was put up in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en Hereditary Chiefs. And Tech Resource Limited has pulled its application for a huge heavy oil mining operation in northern Alberta, saying there's too much confusion between environmental protections and resource developments. Now the Trudeau government is caught between economic concerns, the environment, and Trudeau's campaign pledge to seek reconciliation with Indigenous Canadians. But first, Nick, remember those simple days when we only thought about Trans Mountain and then the government bought that project and everybody moved on? Well, you have a new survey. Exactly. This is a new survey that we did for uh, Dogwood, which is a group in British Columbia. And we tested on a whole bunch of things, including uh, the Trans Mountain pipeline and so forth. And what we get is basically uh, people divided. You know, there's almost about the same proportion of Canadians think that we need projects like Trans Mountain to create jobs as think that we should stop expanding oil and gas because of the impact on climate change. But one thing that Canadians do generally more likely to agree with is that we should not be using tax dollars mm -hmm. for these uh, pipeline projects. So this isn't a blank check, so to speak. I would say not even a blank check, no check. Mm -hmm. And that uh, if the government commitment to this in terms of putting tax dollars into energy projects increases, it'll mean for probably a world of pain for the Liberal government. So uh, a lot of Canadians want more resource development. Uh, a lot of us want stricter environmental concerns and possibly the Trudeau government stuck in the middle. But what your survey is saying is, is that nobody's really willing to risk taxpayer money to fund these projects. Exactly. That, they, that uh, the whole concept of using taxpayer money to invest in pipelines makes a, a, a significant proportion of Canadians uncomfortable. And uh, if that price tag increases, it'll probably lead to even more of a political risk for the Trudeau Liberal government. Now, according to your survey, were, were the numbers more or less the same across the country or, or was, were there any differences between the provinces? Well, actually, there are significant differences. And if you think of the, the regions and provinces that are the most different, you could probably put the prairies, which would be Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba at one end of the spectrum and Quebec at the other end of the spectrum. Mm. Uh, you know, Quebecers were the uh, one province that had the highest likelihood of, of wanting to stop expanding oil and gas because of the impact on climate change. Well, if you lived in the Prairie Provinces, you were much hotter and a significant majority of people in the Prairie Provinces wanting resource projects like Trans Mountain in order to create jobs. And then uh, everyone else kind of falls in between what I'll say the prairies in Quebec. Now, I suppose that this was a big accomplishment uh, for the Trudeau government, where they're trying to marry environmental protections and resource development. Trans Mountain was seen as a way for them to show that they cared about getting Alberta oil out to uh, export markets. But uh, now we've run into a huge problem with the coastal gas link uh, LNG pipeline going through Wet'suwet'en territory, and Trudeau sort of caught in the middle. Uh, what does this say uh, essentially about uh, about the difficulties facing his government? Yeah, you know, if you think of uh, if you think of this as a political cocktail, with first of all the two primary ingredients at the beginning being what I'll say, jobs and resource development and Canada's environmental aspirations. Think of that cocktail, and now let's add indigenous rights mm -hmm. and reconciliation with indigenous peoples and it makes 
you know, when you put those, mix those three things together, it becomes even more volatile because I think it would be fair to say that, you know, with, with the blockade that's occurred, uh, and I'll say the sympathy blockade that occurred in, uh, on the Mohawk territory in Ontario, that it's basically amped up the political risk for the liberals because now this is not just about you know our environmental aspirations and a clean future and it's not about job not just about jobs it's also put a spotlight on whether the government has made or not made headway on reconciliation with indigenous peoples and how indigenous peoples are engaging on energy projects now Trudeau's strategy at, at, at the start was to try and uh, calm the situation down, uh, recognize, you know, that the Wet'suwet'en territory is unceded territory. Um, and he got a lot of criticism from outgoing conservative leader Andrew Scheer about not moving in right away and trying to take down these barricades. We have ideologically motivated protesters and activists who have, in many cases, have no connection at all with the First Nations uh, community. And they are threatening the jobs of thousands. We're hearing from uh, the union representing railway workers that up to 6,000 railway workers could face layoffs. Okay, these protesters, these activists, may have the luxury of spending days at a time on a blockade, but they need to check their privilege. They need to check their privilege and let people whose job depends on the railway system, and small business, farmers, do their jobs. So Nick, what do you think about Andrew Scheer's strategy in this? Well, I think Andrew Scheer's strategy is consistent with the Conservatives on a lot of issues. You know, what the Conservatives are focused on is uh, rule of law and uh, order and, uh, and you know, the economy. And for the Conservatives, uh, you know, it's not a big surprise that they uh, want to see the barricades come down quickly. They want the, uh, the authorities to intervene as quickly as possible in order to restore the movement of, uh, of, of, of goods. But, uh, you know, the thing is, is that this is more, it is a law and order issue for sure, but it's, it's more than that. And I think, uh, you know, this is where, you know, the, uh, it was pretty clear at least that the law enforcement was not hot in terms of their opinion to go in quick and fast in order to take down the uh, barricade. And that, uh, and that, you know, where we're, we're at a point right now at least where the Conservatives, the Liberals at least, have given a little bit of a breathing room uh, before kind of escalating things. But now we're moving into a new phase because, you know, just last week the Prime Minister said that the barricades have to come down. And although technically the Prime Minister and the Liberal government do not direct law enforcement, mm -hmm. I don't know what else the Prime Minister needs to say to send a message to law enforcement to say he would be okay with uh, being more proactive. Earlier today, I once again convened a meeting with the Incident Response Group to address the blockades. And here's the reality. Every attempt at dialogue has been made, but discussions have not been productive. We can't have dialogue when only one party is coming to the table. For this reason, we have no choice but to stop making the same overtures. Of course, we will never close the door on dialogue, and our hand remains extended should someone want to reach for it. In fact, Ministers Miller and Bennett just got off a call with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chief just minutes ago. But the fact remains. The barricades must now come down. 
And we've also had this situation in, in Ontario where it was uh, members of the Mohawk First Nation and in Belleville, Ontario, setting up their own blockade, as, as I said at the start of the show, uh, in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. But that's, that's, I believe that area is run by the Ontario Provincial Police, so that was a provincial matter from uh, Ontario Premier Doug Ford, and he's been strangely silent on this. Well, yeah, because for Doug Ford, he's he's allowed the federal government to take all the heat for this. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that it's the, you know, the the RCMP in Alberta and uh, British Columbia and the Ontario Provincial Police in Ontario that are the fundamental leads in terms of the uh, enforcement of the rule of law. Um, and uh, the provincial governments are a big stakeholder, not just in terms of uh, resource development, but also in maintaining law and order. But uh, I think they've been... Uh, They've been clever in letting uh, Justin Trudeau and the uh, and the federal liberal government take all the law and order heat. When the reality is, is that uh, the provinces also have a major role to play in terms of the tone, direction, and enforcement of the law. Finally, Nick, I just want to get into this tech resources statement. Um, so they were going to operate a huge uh, mining operation for heavy oil in northern Alberta. Um, it was going to you know, allegedly bring billions of dollars into the Canadian economy. That's what they said, as long as the price of, of oil remained reasonably high. Uh, when they pulled out, they were citing confusion between Canada's environmental regulations and, and its resource development policy. And interestingly, in their statement, they said, uh, we are strong supporters of Canada's action on carbon pricing and other climate policies, such as legislated caps for oil sands emissions. So it's almost like uh, perhaps some of the provinces fighting against carbon pricing may have been uh, an issue for them, causing more confusion. Does that make sense? No, I think it makes 100% sense. And, you know, the, the, what we do know is that the private sector likes stability and certainty in terms of the rules of the game and their ability to make investment decisions. And I think uh, it, it doesn't take a, a Wall Street expert to realize that uh, the, the environment right now, the, the environment for resource development in Canada is very uncertain because of all of these competing interests. The competing interests of Canadians wanting jobs, the competing interests of, of uh, Canadians also wanting to kind of achieve environmental targets, and also the competing interests of Indigenous peoples who have a direct material interest uh, in terms of the development of uh, many of these energy projects. And, you know, if we go back to a couple of years ago when people were, some people at least, were worried about, you know, Canada as a place to invest, I think this current environment just put a spotlight that we need to get our mm -hmm. house in order. And I think, I think, you know, what's missing from all of this, what's missing from the government in terms of the government and also in terms of the opposition parties is not only do we need a short-term solution on this, what's the long-term solution mm -hmm. uh, in terms of trying to make sure that this doesn't happen again and also just to bring certainty in terms of what Canada's plan is to reconcile jobs and environmental aspirations so that uh, there's some type of framework that at least Canadians can at least take a look at to render some sort of judgment politically on. And speaking of Canadians rendering a political judgment, how is all this stuff affecting uh, Trudeau's numbers? Well, it's not that great. You know, in the latest uh, Nano's tracking uh, that we're just releasing this week, we have the Conservatives mathematically ahead of the Liberals. We have the Conservatives at 36%, Liberals at 33 NDP wow. 15 Block at 7 um, And, you know, the Liberals are taking a hit in the province of uh, 
of Quebec, where uh, you know right now the uh, both the, the block right now the block mm-hmm. is on the uh, upswing, and the and the Conservatives are even doing it in, better in the province of, really? of Quebec. And right now the, the the two regions that are good for the Liberals basically Ontario and Atlantic Canada. So. <laughs> So quite a mixed bag, you know. The the Liberals lost the popular vote in the last federal election, and mathematically they're still behind the Conservatives right now. And remember, Conservatives don't have a leader. Yeah, they are. I'm not going to say they're leaderless, but they're in the period without a leader. So mm-hmm. I get, you know, the other thing that we know many times is that uh, when political parties don't have a leader, sometimes they do better than usual mm. because there's nothing either nothing to repel voters. So right now, I think for Canadians, they look at the Conservatives, Conservative Party without a leader, and there's not a lot to chew on in terms of rendering a judgment as to whether they like or dislike the Conservatives. So right now, you know, mathematically, the Conservatives have the upper hand. Let's see what happens with their leadership to see whether they can uh, they can kind of firm that up mm. and perhaps even build a bigger advantage. Okay, so Nick Trudeau has to marry uh, resource development, Indigenous land rights and the environment is there a way to pull all of this off well it's going to be very difficult because there are too many moving parts first of all on the indigenous front you know you've got the hereditary chiefs and the elected band uh leaders of uh of in in the indigenous world and it's hard to reconcile those two groups uh and then you and then you've got the provinces to deal with because the the fact of the matter is is that the, the environment is also a provincial responsibility the provinces have a leading major role to play on this and the, and the federal government is playing in their area. I think politically this is a no-win. However, it is a very important public policy decision, but it's going to be very difficult to make everyone happy. And I think maybe the outcome perhaps might be half-decent public policy, but politically it's probably just going to probably have a number of Canadians that are just disappointed because, you know, for those Canadians that tilt towards the environment, they don't want pipelines. For those Canadians that want jobs and resource jobs, they are uncomfortable with the environmental direction of this government. And the outcome could be disappointment for everybody. Now, Nick, I don't believe you can really see into the future, but uh, considering all this stuff that's going on and what the Liberal government has to do, is there any negative headlines you can see coming up or, or what's your what's your forecast? Well, if, if I was to put one thing on the table as a potential prediction or think something to put a spotlight on, it will be the budget. Everyone today has been talking about, you know, the, the blockade and the disruption on the economy. One thing we have to realize is right now, you know, the statisticians over at finance are crunching the numbers on the federal budget. And I'm sure the coronavirus mm-hmm. and also the blockade now have them re-crunching their numbers in terms of government revenue and their projections on the economy. So perhaps I think the one prediction that we should have is expect the Minister of Finance to say something along the lines of, yes, the fundamentals are strong because the Minister of Finance always says that. But then to (laughs) say, however, Mm -hmm. there are two major events that, that were unpredicted that occurred in January 2020 that have a material impact on our forward look on the economy. Those are the coronavirus and also the blockade, which has disrupted the Canadian economy. And that maybe we'll have to do, it'll be an interesting thing. I'll predict that that'll be on the agenda. Now, whether the Liberals do belt tightening or just expand the deficit, different story. Well, there you go. That's Nick's future prediction. And Nick, what's your big takeaway for this episode? 
my big takeaway is risk the liberals. That, uh, you know, it's like everything. The blockade cannot come down too fast. People will be unhappy regardless of the outcome. And uh, it'll be interesting to see whether this has a material impact on, uh, on support for the liberals or whether they still continue to kind of cruise along. Great. And Nick, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos, or on the web at www.nanos.co. And I'm also on Twitter at Michael Stittle. Plus, you can find more on all the surveys we've discussed in this episode on ctvnews.ca. This show was produced by Trevor Coral, Jesse Taharali, and Phil Hahn. Our executive producer is Liz Travers. Sound editing was done by Jesse Taharali. This show is hosted by Nick Nanos and myself, Michael Siddle. As always, thanks for listening.